Welcome to New Teacher Center's COVID-19 Resource and Community Support Series. In today's episode, Kristen Wenzel will share with us some learnings from instructional leaders across the country. Hello and welcome to Beyond Buildings Connecting Communities, where we engage school and district leaders in conversation around the hard work of meeting student and educator needs during these challenging times. I'm Kristen Wendell with the New Teacher Center, and today I'm speaking with Thelma Sambrook, Principal of Winona Drive Senior Public School in Toronto. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you this morning. It's a lovely chance for me to share with you what's happening in our district. We cannot wait to learn from you. So just to kick off, can you start by telling me a bit about yourself? I'm an experienced principal. Um, my school is um, a grade 7-8 school in uh, Toronto. Toronto is the fifth largest public school district in North America, so we serve about a quarter of a million students. Our school is special in the sense that it has uh, four streams. We have a gifted stream, a French immersion stream, extended French stream, and an English course stream as well as some special needs classes. And how many students do you serve? So we have 400. Can you talk yeah. to us about what teaching and learning looked like for students once you had to close the building? Once they closed school, they made the decision that only certain subjects would be taught. For our sevens and eights, they had only 10 hours of online learning. And the 10 hours were going to be in English and mathematics, science, or history as well as uh, if you were French, it was in your French language. And then the decision was, what do we do with all the other staff? Our school decided we were going to run all the subjects so that students had access. I put myself back in the days of being a lifeguard, and I thought, okay, here I am. We're going to go to remote learning, uh, real-time learning, and what do I think about? I thought about my digital butterflies, the ones that were my teachers that were digital butterflies, those that were flying, my teachers that were proficient, then I had my teachers that were doing functional uh, instruction, like on, online, they could do their report cards, they could do certain things. And then I said, okay, who are my teachers that are gonna need it? an assistive device? Who am I gonna have to be helping? So that's where I started. And then how do I leverage the help that the expertise that's already in my building? That's a super helpful metaphor. Can you talk a little bit about what types of supports you provided those teachers who needed those assisted devices? What we did was we leveraged between teachers, those digital butterflies and those digitally proficient teachers. We partnered them. What we leveraged was the ability of specific teachers with those skills to, to host another teacher's classroom. That's how we move things along. Even though there was extensive professional development at the board level, our teachers, you know, they fell back on who am I comfortable with? Who do I want to share my knowledge or lack of as I move forward so I can accelerate my own learning to support students? Did you see that type of partnership between teachers in your building or was this a new fostering of relationships because of the circumstances? Yeah, so in some cases, we had those relationships, but I would say in many cases, we did not. If you look at where we were before the pandemic started and where we are now, I can see that every single staff member has moved forward in their own digital fluency. If I think about challenging conversations, um, and I think about like yesterday, teachers were partnering yesterday to talk about and have equity conversations about what's happening in the US with respect to Black Lives Matter. So we had teachers partnering, talking about equity, supporting students and helping students find their voice. And we had teachers reaching out to each other say, I really appreciate if you could be with me when we had this conversation because 
obviously in a school where there's high rotary turnover from between class to class, students will connect and be closer to one teacher than another. And we all hesitate sometimes in different equity conversations. So that was a very positive piece around this is how we connect and build relationships with students. Educators in the U.S. are definitely responding to the most recent incidences of police brutality and the community response to that and the protests in response. Can you speak a little bit more about what those conversations your teachers had with students looked like or sounded like? First and foremost, although the U.S. is front and center in the news, it's not the only city that's being challenged, you know, like the only country. Our cities are being challenged as well. We have incidents in Toronto. They may not be as graphic, but we certainly have our share of challenges with equity and addressing race issues. Our teachers started yesterday's conversation in partners in many cases, uh, talking about the facts of what's happening and giving students the opportunity to share what their thought process is. So that's kind of where we are now, helping students just talk things out. And then they're gonna move that piece and conversation forward as they move along. Because our particular school, demographically, we have a majority of our students are white, but when you have a minority of your students in the building that may not be black or brown, that may be black and brown, you actually have to raise that conversation higher so that that awareness level is there for your students. And that's what our teachers are going about doing. Are those conversations you have with your teachers or conversations your teachers have with each other to build their own skill and comfort in facilitating those conversations with students? We've had conversations uh, in our district over the last five years uh, that have been quite productive, but certainly um, we are growing in this area. Equity, addressing equity and addressing racism is, is, has been a focal point in our district for the last five years. Thanks for sharing that. Do you know what the next steps might be for next year when you think about those equity conversations either within your school or within the district, do you have thoughts on where you think that's, that work is going to go? I know right now um, we're, there's professional development being take, offered for, to all educators as this has just started. Uh, we've had that in play last year, but this is moving towards deepening our skill set so we can address leadership within schools and get comfortable with supporting students. In our uh, weekly or monthly staff meetings, certainly the first thing on our list is always creating a safe, caring learning environment. And we have to have that on our agenda when we meet with our staff. It's definitely a journey. And it's a journey yeah. as a white woman, myself as an educator, and then thinking about how did I support white teachers to support both my students who are white, but also my students who are black and who are Latina. Can you tell me how your teachers are continuing and sustaining relationships with their students and the families of students in a remote setting? From day one, when we started remote learning, one of the things that I asked all of our teachers to do was ask who is engaged or involved in remote learning. So for students, as I've just written my grad speech, some of them showed up face-to-face -face online as students. Some of them showed up as a very cool avatar online and some of them showed up as their pet. And then there were the few that haven't shown up yet. So what we did as a staff at the, from the very beginning is we wanted to know who's not showing up. Are they on our list because they don't have a digital device? Do we need support and encouragement? But what I did was I took all of our support staff, our lifeguards, our educational assistants, 
our um, clerical staff and we assigned them to, we had one lifeguard assigned to all the grade eight students, one lifeguard assigned to all the grade seven students, our clerical assigned to all the science classes, things like that. We divide it and said, okay, you are gonna work with the teachers that have to ensure students are engaging. So you do, the conversation had to be, if you picked up the phone and called the student and noticed they hadn't been online this week, or yesterday, are you okay? How are you doing? That became our favorite phrase because what we did not want to do is put undue pressure on students whose families might have had, their mom or dad might be a frontline worker. They might have had, they might not want to be online because they don't want pictures of themselves or their home when they're doing that online experience. So one of the things that came out in many cases, parents felt confident. I, I had already done a mass email to parents saying, please anticipate you're gonna get a phone call from one of our support staff. The first thing they're gonna to say to you, are you okay? Is your child okay? And is there anything we can do to support you? You know, March 13th is one time and now we're into June. They're, they're tired. So we've noticed the ebb and flow of student engagement. And so teachers have done highly creative things but you will notice that things change as the months go by and the days get warmer. We call it Zoom fatigue and for my <laughs> record, right? Like it's like I work almost completely remote and there's only so much online you can do before your brain just needs to take a break. And I'm sure students are feeling that. Um, yeah. You named many ways that you're caring for the humans and the human side of your students, right? Are you okay? Um, thinking about their days and their nights and when they're available. And I think it's also, I'm hearing how you leverage your staff, which also supports the humanity of your teachers and the fact that you could use all of your staff together to really reach all of your students. I do think, you know, if you're asking a lifeguard, or you're asking a support staff to call someone, you have to, as the leader, you have to be putting out very clear on Friday nights. So my parents had a structure before we ever went into COVID uh, learning. Every Friday night, they'd receive a letter from me or a briefing and an update on the week with some very clear expectations of what would happen the next week. I maintain those structures as we move through and then families could check it at any point over the weekend. The feedback how long has, I really appreciate the sequence of when you do things and then you give me time to digest what's happening. So that's what parents wanted. They wanted real-time information from me as the leader, but they also have demanded more synchronous learning. So our teachers are under pressure moving in September. Our Minister of Education, which you'd call your Department of Education, has indicated should we go to remote learning, there will be more synchronous opportunities, more real-time learning for students. So there's pressure on our teachers unions, there's pressure on teachers in general to change how they do things. What are you thinking of when you think about return to fall? So my heart right now, my heart is with our grade eight students because we don't graduate them out until June 25th. So we're in the middle of creating a virtual graduation and we've chosen the route of pre-recording it, but we're taping all these little bits and pieces with parents permission to try and make the end of the year highly exciting. At the same time, my vice principal was here today and we were social distancing. So I sent my vice principal around to count all the rooms that had tables, all the rooms that had desks, because we know that the board could go into one of four options. They could go to complete back to life as normal. It could be the other extreme, remote learning. We could be alternating days. 
and we could know that they could give us bubbling where we're learning in one space. We've probably spent double the amount of time creating classes this year. We probably have students coming from at least 10 different schools. We want to make sure that we have students having friends coming into grade seven in their class, uh, balance of student needs, and we're giving those profiles out early to teachers this year, earlier than we have done in the past, so they can look them over, understand who's got an IEP, who has some uh, concerns where they need, may need to reach out to families. How are you attending to your, your own needs? I do jump in on online learning classes and I have been connecting. So I have held tightly to my grade eight students because they're graduating. I've been popping into their online learning more to say hi to them and learn about what their experience is. Working from home has been a challenge. So the good part for me is I do have a garden in the backyard that I can pop out to in between those times. But like the students, I will say my days and nights are getting a bit mixed up. I will be honest about that because I try to answer my parent emails whenever they come in. I'm quite empathetic. My children are grown up, uh, you know, they're young adults, but I'm empathetic to the fact that if a parent writes to me at 10 o'clock at night because they might be a frontline worker, I want to respond to them in real time. One of the things I think people have to say to themselves is they, they look at, have I done everything I can to support my school community? And uh, what I've noticed throughout the uh, pandemic and being away from school is I'm getting less emails. So a measure of my success is I have the school email box and I have my own. And what I notice is over since the pandemic started, I now open my mornings with only one or two emails in the school email box. And I went, wow, that's a measure of success. It's an unexpected bonus to have fewer emails. That's surprising. I would not have expected that. That speaks to the communication and the effort that you and your staff are putting forth. If you leave one voice out, just one voice, the impact of your decision is is not going to fit well. The value of community. I feel like we're just seeing that lesson over and over again about how much a school community matters to the students and to the staff and to the leadership team and the families. Those of us in schools know this, but just the value of a school community. I feel like everyone is seeing that a little bit more. I always say the visibility of a leader is critical. It's very hard to be visible as a leader. You're not out in the playground. You're not, you know, you're not at the front of the door. And I, the students would know every morning I'd be out in front going, you're late, come on, let's get going. Like I would be encouraging not to stress them, but to get them into the building and school and time so they're learning. Now, my visibility is very different. People want to be connected. As I, I think about our school virtual graduation, we're doing everything we can to capture the affection the students have. Are you sharing the student work on the school's Twitter account? Yes. What, yes, what is are. that? If we wanted to check that out, what would be that handle? Ah, at TDSB underscore Winona. As a school leader, reach out on multiple levels. And as I said before, I'm caught. I'm living in the present, trying to give the love and affection and support our students, our grade eight students leave before they go to high school. But you always have to think about what's happening down the road. So Kristen, thank you. Thank you, Thelma. It's been an honor to learn about how you are keeping connected, building community, and really thinking about your students and your families and your staff during this time. And I know our listeners are going to hear this and walk away thinking, here's something I can do 
to forge new connections tomorrow. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. Here at New Teacher Center, we work to disrupt the predictability of educational inequities for systemically underserved students by accelerating educator effectiveness. We're here to support you through this challenging and unprecedented season. Please visit www.newteachercenter.org COVID-19 for additional resources, communities of practice, and webinars to support you through this season. Be well.